0: Those those little I don't know, what are they? I guess they're rodents, right? Yeah. Watch out for those things.
1: Are there any rodents you don't have to watch out for? Are there any rodents that are like, oh, here's a good little that guy's not gonna eat all my stuff.
2: Right? Like like is not a hamster and a gerbil aren't they considered to be rodents?
1: I feel like they're like the sneakiest ones. Like the the one the animals that are always the cutest are always the ones that like, "Oh, oh, I just farted poison and now you're dead. Yeah that's true that's the way nature works
0: i found a squirrel in my garage a couple weeks ago so yeah rodents are are uh tricky little bastards
1: like so squirrels have to be covered in like all the covids we haven't even found yet i guaranteed like there's a squirrel out there with covid 21 <laughs> robo what's this flag action you got you got a new flag
0: yeah well i mean the, the rams have a new look mm-hmm. i have to get the new flag right so i've I've had a flag in my house, much to my wife's annoyance. I only fly it on like game days. So I get up on Sunday morning as part of my ritual. I get up, we'll do breakfast. I'll put like game day morning or something on. I open up the garage. I walk out, stick my little Rams flag out because I live in Seattle. Mm-hmm. If you guys don't know, Robo Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, and all my neighbors are big Seahawks fans. And so I like to like tweak a little bit to hey, there's a Rams fan in the neighborhood. And for years, the only team that they ever struggled with was the Rams. It was kind of a fun thing. We sucked, but yeah, you know, I was out there. So every every game day, I'd put up my flag out, and it's been. Just to state the old logo with the St. Louis colors on it, whatever, and it was out there. And then when they moved to L. A., they adopted the blue and white. And I'm like, "Oh fuck, I got I got room for another one. Let me put the second flag up." So I ordered it again, much to my wife's annoyance. And I had the two flags out every Sunday, put them out. And now we have a new look. We got the new the new Rams thing, and I'm like, "All right, uh, I need to get rid of the old St. Louis one because I've never liked it." Let me get the other one. So, anyways, I I got the new the new logo. It's the L. A. Rams head version. I know we had couple episodes we've talked about the logo and hard knocks maybe swayed me one way or the other it's the ram said logo just on my house and they're both out there and every morning i put them out and then so the the big beef was uh people were like give me shit because i was gonna switch in the middle of a streak we're want to know don't break a streak keep the old one out i'm like fuck you that old flag has decades of losing it there's no streak associated with that thing other than i want to get rid of it so um I swapped it up, again, much to my wife's annoyance, and we won. And so the whole mojo is in set. People can relax. We've discovered that the Philadelphia Jinx was not the flags I was playing, but my attendance at the game because they won. And the last two games that they played, I went to, and they lost.
2: And and there's a lot of good stuff that people aren't seeing, you know, like uh, how about a Rams game? <laughs> These are the ratings. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, Yeah, I understand it was a 10 a.m. game. Sure, sure, sure. But – People aren't watching it as much, and
1: boy, oh boy, what
2: are you gonna do? It, they're the Shit's Creek of the NFL, the LA Rams. Love
1: it, wonderful Los <laughs> Angeles Rams <laughs> podcast. A Los Angeles Rams podcast. I'm at 3K underscore. My name's Joe. Here with Rob at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, man? So at so. LA Rams Rams Rams. Joey the Jerk. Bonjour.
2: Hey jerks. Hello.
1: Oh, uh, the Rams are two and zero. Oh. That's pretty good. pretty yeah. that's pretty darn yeah. good. That's nice. All right. Maybe, maybe more importantly, uh, on a week where the narrative was quite clearly about the injuries that uh, peppered most of the action on uh, week two Sunday, the Rams, by and large, got through without anything serious. We had Cam Akers go out with a rib issue, and Joseph Noteboom uh, got pulled out with a calf injury, and it sounds like Malcolm Brown might have had a thumb injury late in the game. But for the most part, we didn't have anything too severe, uh, and I think that's something we should be pretty thankful for. Uh, given how bad it was on Sunday, what do you guys think about the injury scare of Week Two?
2: I want to just jump in real quick and talk about how funny the uh, maybe it's not funny, but ESPN ran the most significant injuries. Let's talk about the top twenty-one injuries from Week Two. Power ranking
1: <laughs> of injuries. <laughs>
2: yeah, and you're like, what the hell? And then that didn't even count Bruce Irvin, who tore his ACLs after the ton. season. Yeah, and that just got announced today. But when you really look at the NFC West, there was huge – I mean, I think Nick Bosa going out for the season. Well, just the whole 49ers. Yeah. The whole 49ers. Yeah. But but Nick Bosa is a huge deal. I think – Sure. For sure. Jimmy Garofalo is going to play probably with his high ankle sprain, but he's not going to be at 100%. and. But, but also, I mean, Seattle got dinged up a lot too, you know, and then Arizona didn't seem like they got hit too bad. Not compared think,
1: to San Fran and Seattle, sure.
2: Yeah, but but the headline is Saquon Barkley out for the season. Christian McCaffrey for four to six weeks. Drew Locke, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the, the Broncos are just a dumpster fire right now, so I wouldn't really expect <laughs> – anything from them this season so by saying one of their key players is hurt you're just like yeah well yeah. you just took a poop on some poop i mean poop on some poop poop on some poop poop on some poop good job it's it's not a story anymore you know they're hurt they're all hurt what'd
1: you think about the poop of week two robo
0: poop on some poop well, before we came on, I actually looked through some injuries and I looked at their schedule, how they line up. Yeah. So Buffalo this week, last week they played with two out of, with missing two starting linebackers. It, so it's going to be big to watch the injury report over the next couple of weeks for us. But so Buffalo last week played with, without two starting linebackers. Uh, Sa- next week is Saquon and Sterling and Shepard both hurt. Yeah. Uh, then you have a Pro Bowl All Pro player, Brandon Schre- uh, Sheriff. Mm-hmm. Sheriff, uh, he for the Skins or I guess watch the Football Team. Sorry, uh, I'll put my money in the, t- in the tip jar. Uh, then you've got Kittle, Richard Sherman, uh, Nick Bosa, Jimmy G, Raheem Mostert, um, Solomon Thomas, Thomas and mm-hmm. then also today, uh, Jerk McKinnon also. So injuries all over the place. The Rams are very fortunate. Um, and San Francisco <laughs> was complaining about the turf, right? Well, who do, they, who do they have to play this week? They have to go back and play the Giants on that same crappy turf. So by the time they're done, they might not have a, even have a team.
1: Thankful to be a Rams fan after this week, because like you said, it was rough just as we were playing, just seeing the stuff that was coming out from the early games and then going into that second slate rough Sunday across the NFL. Not too rough for the Rams, though. Two and zero, thirty-seven 37 to 19 win over the Philadelphia Eagles in Philly. Um, Pretty commanding performance throughout. Obviously, a big mistake at the end of the first half meant that the scoreline was kind of lying about how close that game was. After 30 minutes, but another 30 saw the Rams just completely dominate the proceedings on both sides of the ball. Jared Goff finishes 20 to 27, 267, three touchdowns to Big Higgs. Higgs. Uh, Breakout game for Daryl Henderson in a way. He only had 12 carries, but he had 81 yards, including a 40-yard sprint. Uh, ended up with two catches for 40. Cooper Cup obviously got a ton of work done, five for 81 on six targets. Van Jefferson caught four balls. Robert Woods only had two, but it didn't really matter because the Rams were spreading the ball around and getting so much done, and Jared Goff was so efficient throughout the entire game. Uh, But maybe the story was what the Rams did defensively yet again in the second half, just completely clamped things down. The Rams have now given up six points in second halves. In two games, Micah Kaiser was 16 tackles. Jordan Fuller was second with nine. And then Troy Hill and John Johnson with eight. The secondary played fantastic. Jalen Ramsey didn't give up a single reception. Um, it's just a great game. It was one of those things where it's like it, early on, you, you get three touchdowns from the first three possessions. And then as the game goes on, you're starting to put the clamps on defensively. It's like, man, this is really, really, really good football. You can't ask for much better than this. What do you guys think about week two?
0: Um, can we talk about my son? We talk about him, the-
1: Here's the thing. He didn't have a bad game, Why? but that mistake, it's not acceptable.
0: Man. But that could have been, the, that could have been the biggest mistake yeah. of all. Honestly, yeah, it was huge. Uh, they were comfortably in front. And then for some reason, Sean McPay still has him. Fielding puns after, Week one, we kind of joked about it that he shouldn't. This was even punt. worse, This was, was
1: fielding it with from inside the five yard line <inaudible> and, and
0: running it. Like oh, all of that was no, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, nobody loves the guy more than me, um, but I do not love him returning punts. Number one, I don't think he should be taking shots. Yeah, don't, you don't want to see that guy taking unnecessary shots. Uh, there's December Webster is on the team for a reason. He returns kicks. Let him take those shots. Yeah. Let him get the hang when he fumbles, whatever. Cooper Cup is too you just signed the guy. He's too valuable. He's it's not like you've signed uh you know an electric athletic speed demon. It's Cooper Cup. It's not Tavon Austin, right? So um now so he he coughs it up, it could have been the biggest play of the game for them. Uh they come out in the third quarter, and my guy, Darius Williams saved the yep. game for them i honestly believe he, maybe not the game but they could take right. the lead right they drove the length of the mm-hmm. field the rams got the ball to start second half three and out the eagles drove the length of the field they were actually looking the best they looked all day carson wentz late on the throw allows darius williams to make up the ground mm-hmm. picks it off the end zone and that snuffed out any chance the eagles had um i'm not sure why troy hill got that game ball because darius williams williams saved their their bacon next, play. That, that play and then Cooper Cup looked great. He was the highest-rated offensive mm-hmm. player for the Rams. He just shouldn't be fielding punts or returning them or anything. Yeah, big
1: market. mistake. Don't ever make ever. that again. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll see, man. I, you know. I don't. I don't know. The, the thing is, there's so little to be gained by having Cooper Cup actually returning them. I don't have a problem if he fair catches them or lets them bounce. Just the idea of not actually returning one, period. I, I'd be fine yeah. with. But the idea of him returning, you get you get so little value out of that what are you going to get like 10 15 yards the way this offense is operating what difference does that make and it's especially doesn't make a a huge difference in terms of field position because you got Johnny Hecker I could understand if we had a bad punter and you're worried that oh if we if our drive stalls out at the 15 instead of the 25 that could be a huge issue for field position Johnny Hecker rules that out so it's one of these things where you just don't get much for the investment of Cooper Cup returning punts I'd like to see that Get remedied immediately so that we don't ever have to deal with that again. On the other side, there was a lot of positives, Joy. What did you like about week two?
2: I really liked the offensive line. Yeah, I like their commitment yeah. to the run once yeah. again. Yeah, And because of those two things, which in one way aren't on their own exciting aspects to a way an offense runs, but combined, they made the offense really exciting. Sure. And I felt like this is a very fun team to watch right now. And you saw it just on their first drive. I mean, they ran on um, a, a reverse with Robert Woods to get into the end zone. Yep. I mean, super fun to watch. And all three of the touchdown passes to Tyler Higby were electric. And the but but going back to it, the run game was just I felt like it was a priority, and that's yeah. what you want to see. And it wasn't something that they were doing last year. No. And I think it was very 2018. Mm-hmm. and but, but instead of having to heap all this praise on Todd Gurley, we can now heap the praise on the scheme and the blocking because it doesn't necessarily matter who is running the ball right now because mm-hmm. we got three guys that can do the job. And when Cam Akers – was out, then instantly he just plugged in Daryl Henderson Jr. And he was fine. Cam Akers, actually, before he got hurt, was playing pretty well. I mean, he was running at? the ball really good. All of us were kind of like, you know, like licking lick, lick our lips going, this is going to be great. Look at this. And then he's out. We're like, oh, shit. And then, boom, Hendo comes in. And I was really happy with the way he played. I really like that guy out in the flat catching the ball. I think he's, um just really has the skill set to be a pass-catching you know, um running back. I thought that was just really um fun to see. It's been, we've been waiting to see this for um almost two years. So I was just very encouraged by the way their offense looked. And that all stems back to my boy Jared Goff, who yeah. had one of the best games he's played in years. I mean it was perfect for the first yeah. half. And then he showed a couple signs of um, you know, I I I don't know if he was flustered or if he just you know he reverted to his human form. Yeah, he reverted to his human form exactly. But um, and that happens. He wasn't
0: wearing a cape.
2: Yeah, I think what happens with God sometimes is that he has such a game plan at the beginning of the game, and he's getting all of the um the whispers from Sean McVay. But as the game rolls on, and the defense is adjusting to him, Mm -hmm. and then he has to kind of start to kind of um kind of come up with his 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 own decisions, that's when he becomes more human.
1: Yeah. But I, th- I even then, with a lot of the adjustments in the second half, I thought he was doing really well. He was processing a lot of stuff really well, where looking at the field and going through some, some reads and making quick, easy mm-hmm. throws instead of making it really difficult. And I think that was part of the difference was, and we got to credit the defense, obviously, for that, was that Darius Williams' interception – You can put some of that not not just on the defense's play in general, but the effect that it has on quarterbacks trying to engineer more than they need to, right? I think when you look at that throw, there's no reason for Carson Wentz to try to squeeze a throw into double coverage on, what was that, like a 30-yard, 25-yard throw, unless you feel like you've got to make it happen, right? And I I think that's the thing about Jared Goff, is his comfort level in this offense of, okay, I've got a guy here for five yards, it's second and eight, screw it, I'm going to take it. Or it's third and four, I'm not going to, we saw what happened last night, third and one, with the Seattle Seahawks, right? What did Russell Wilson do? Let's it fly, (laughs) 40 yards downfield. Sometimes you have to be comfortable with taking these small victories and the way that he's operating the offense is making it really, really effective. We had the same effectiveness in week one. We just didn't cap it off in the red zone. And because we were doing that in week two, it just looked much, much, much more successful, even though I think it was, it was near, it, pretty much similar in terms of the success of week one. It was just that you're capping it off with touchdowns instead of field goals. And it really makes this team, like you said, Joey, the 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 effectiveness of that offense is really fun and really electric. And I think it's going to be a problem for some other teams to adjust to. We'll get to week three, maybe later on this week, but uh, really, really enjoyable week two game maybe because they put those points up early. We talked about, I think, uh, going into week one, that that was a game that I felt like the second half kind of dominated the narrative. I think for this one, it was the first half. I think the the Rams coming out and scoring three yeah. touchdowns immediately put the screws on Philly, and I think that's the kind of thing that can engineer a, a, an interception like that one from Wentz and obviously... Takes a big play from Darius Williams to make it happen, but it's the entire defense that was really putting the screws on them, and that's something the Rams' offense hasn't had to deal with. And I think you're getting the results out.
0: Well, you mentioned the defense start that game; they, they caused the fumble yeah. in the first yep. possession yep. immediately, yep. giving the ball back to that. I mean, yep, perfectly perfect. to start that game.
2: I was curious on how banged up and or mediocre. The defense is for the Eagles right now before we give too much praise to the, the offense of the, yeah. of the Rams because the, the the linebackers have been criticized wisely sure. on, on the internet where I get all of my information. Poop on some poop. And it just kind of felt like, well, I mean, <laughs> is this team just busted?
1: I don't think so. I, don't th- I wouldn't say busted. I think obviously they're dealing with some injuries and uh, certainly on their offensive line. When you lose three starters going into week one and you get one back for week two, but he's dealing with – you know, whatever Lane Johnson is dealing with down there, probably not a hundred percent, a hundred percent, but you know, I I'd say this, that's, that's not a bad team. And the Rams completely outplayed them on both sides of the ball. So it's one of those things I wouldn't take too much away from what the Rams did. Uh, even if it's to the degree that if the Rams, let's say, are a better team more comprehensively, well, at least they played like it. Because there are going to be games where we're going to play lesser teams and have lesser performances. We saw that last year against Dallas, week 15, against Tampa Bay, what was that, week four. There there are games where we played lesser teams and we played down to the competition. Even if this was a lesser team in week two, we didn't play down to
0: the And they made a big sign in this offseason as well, Darius Slade Jr. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's yeah. not a slouch, right? And then you, they also picked up NRC. Yeah. They've got a guy named Fletcher Cox who might be the best DL behind the game. He had a Aaron good game Duff. too.
1: Fletcher Cox but,
0: up Yeah, he played pretty well. They're not scrubs yeah. over there.
1: Yeah, no, I thought we played well. And I I mean, you mentioned the idea of having Fletcher Cox is that the offensive line had some stuff they had to deal with and they did. It was uh, like Joey said, the running game was so consistent. We had uh, 23 carries between Hendo and Malcolm Brown for 128 yards. That's really, really good compared to like Miles Sanders, who had 95 yards, but he had to run the ball 20 times himself. And uh, outside of two or three longer ones, a lot of those were some pretty short runs that didn't set the Eagles up for some successful third down tries.
0: Did that O line get better when David Edwards came in for boom? Maybe, god, but it,
1: like maybe. it was also so late I mean, that they were in a. Yeah, they're They're behind, they behind the eight yeah, ball. Yeah, as yeah well, yeah. but yeah.
0: They didn't. They didn't suffer. No. It wasn't like oh god, here we go. Right.
1: No, they've been. I mean, Hindu
0: had Andrew had his his most impact yeah. at that point. They've
1: been nice. Yeah. They've been nice. So it's you know, hands full against Buffalo next week. Again, let's put that off. But uh, yeah, really fun game from Henderson. He's explosive. We got to see the quickness, and you know, it, it we're We're going to get games from Cam Akers where you see his athleticism. He's the most athletic guy that we've got at the position. We got the hard nose from Malcolm Brown. He's still running that hard nose right on up the middle. But yeah, Hendo's got that explosiveness. And um, what stat was it from next-gen stats that I had posted? I think it was uh, time behind the line. Uh, where as a running back, he spent the least time behind the line of any running back in week two. He's getting the ball and he's just taken off, right? He's one not wasting and, go, right? and yeah, it's one cut and go. And I think it's great because it fits him. It fits his style. It fits his skill set. It fits what the Rams don't have in, in acres a little bit with Brown, but Brown doesn't have the explosiveness. He's just got the hard nose. It's almost like Malcolm Brown is just kind of closing his eyes and just running into guys, and then his butt is just so strong that he's just running through guys. Uh, but Hendo's got this explosiveness where it's just like, zip, whee, and he's gone. It's fun.
0: So they had both those guys last year, and, of course, Hendo was a rookie. So I, sh- I shared a little thing uh, last night late because I was up just looking at stuff. So Todd Gurley, not having the best start to his Atlanta career. Yeah. He averaged uh, like 2.4 or so yards a carry. Our guys averaged almost 4.5. Yeah. Um, we're paying him. 12 and a half to go away, but it frees up. It, they're not beholden to him in his contract anymore, which yes. was the point of that. People were ticked off about it, and I agree. he did great things for this team, and you can still love him as a guy and respect him, whatever. hope he does well, except yep. for when he plays us. But it opened the Rams to playing more effective players right now. Todd Gurley was great when he was healthy. He's clearly not. We saw that last year. Play the guys who are healthy and let them shine, and it's it it paved the way for this, and you got to be happy about it.
1: Yeah, no, the value is great. I think we've set it up well. What do you think about Hendo's breakout game, Joey? I'm excited about it. I felt like yeah.
2: you know, we, we 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 could have easily been riding this Cam Acres train, and so I don't sure, know what sure. it means going forward, but I don't think it really matters. I think the league right now right. is sort of um supported by having multiple running backs that's what you kind of need to have you need to have this committee and and i think hitching your wagon to one bell cow is an outdated strategy right now i, I think it's good i i think uh daryl henderson's this guy that we were maybe thinking was going to drift away into draft bust even though he wasn't that high of a draft pick to really kind of call a bust but you know we invested we invested mm-hmm. Uh, a a bit of just fan emotion in this guy. So when there was these rumors swirling about that, he wasn't liked by the coaches, or maybe he wasn't effective in practice or just putting, you know, two and two together last season, there's, they weren't using him. So you were thinking, well, something's up. I mean, they don't seem to really trust this guy because they're not playing him. And now they are. So something's a little bit different. And it's interesting. I, I, I was just looking up Daryl Henderson Jr., and he is from Batesville, Mississippi. And it just-
1: Oh, yeah. Have no, you, you ever been to Batesville? you ever been to North Mississippi?
2: I've never been. I don't think to the state of Mississippi.
1: And you, Oh, do you know where Cam Akers is from?
2: No, where is Cam Akers from?
1: Oh, you already know. He's from Jackson, Mississippi. That's <laughs> one of my things that I love about this is we've got these two yeah, Mississippi but- running backs – yeah. We talk so much about the whole LA culture and the LA vibe and how perfect it is for Jared Goff and how perfect it is for Sean McVay. How perfect is it that we got two guys that do not fit that vibe at all at running back? I absolutely love
2: it. And I, you got to think of just what those conversations are like. They're just kind of sitting there with Jared Goff and you got Akers on one side and Hendo on the other. And, you know, maybe one of the guys, hey, man, you want to go get some barbecue? And Goff is like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could have a have barbecue. We'll come to my house, man. We'll make some brats. And they're both looking at each other yeah, like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, it ain't no pop. <laughs> Just like overwhelmingly <laughs> Southern. I, that, that's what I love about them is they can be overwhelmingly sent in The away like, oh, Witt is like, I like these two. There's some good running back right there. I'm tired of playing with these fancy boys.
0: <laughs> Do you think uh, well AW has to have the shoe conversation with Hendu with and Cam Akers like he had to have a girly? you He better cover it up the foot games. Or do you think they wear you know, proper footwear being good boys from Mississippi? I'm, I'm sure. they do. I, just, I just love the
1: idea. It's Mississippi of all places. We got these two fantastic running backs that are overwhelmingly Southern. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be so fun as they continue to go off. Um, and I'm loving, I'm loving all of it. Loving Sean McVeigh. I tweeted this out from the BTH account. If you had to pick an MVP, I know it's the most valuable player, but if you had to pick a real MVP, most valuable person, For this team through two weeks, it's got to be McVay. He's making all the right decisions. They're doing everything right on offense. Credit to Brandon Staley. I get it. He's a coordinator. But, man, they're doing great in terms of coaching on defense and putting guys in position to succeed. We haven't overcommitted to the blitz. We've barely committed to the blitz whatsoever. We're still getting it done. The secondary looks fantastic. The coaching has just been incredible. What do you guys think about everything going on on the sidelines?
0: I I mean, if you have a complaint about the Rams in 2020, uh, I want to know what it is. Seriously, as you said, they are—they have just got it dialed in. uh, The—the—the fun thing for media pundits and just Twitter guys—not really like fans, but dudes who kind of do fringe NFL work from the Twitter machine—last year, big thing at the end of the year was the, the wheels are falling off Sean McVay. The league has figured him out. The league figured him out. Sean McVay can't do this anymore. Then they switched to twelve and he kind of had a little more success, whatever. You, you know what Sean McVeigh needed? Healthy bodies, especially on the offensive yeah. line. He's gone back to eleven, he's doing what he's doing, and he is he's he is beating everybody. Right now he, he beat Mike Malarkey, uh Mike McCarthy and he just beat Doug Peterson. Um do you think Doug Peterson misses Frank Wright? Maybe. Maybe, because Carson Wentz looks so hot. Uh, Sean McVay just got it in. He's got it dialed in. He gets, he's not asking Goff to do things that he's not comfortable doing. He's putting him in position to, to be successful. Yep. And the best part about Sean McVay is he doesn't care who he features. Yeah. One week, it's Robert Woods going off. Robert Woods was a blocker this week with a couple of like, throwing receptions. And shout out to Robert People Woods as being a
1: good blocker, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's the best part about these guys. They all... Will do what they what they need to win. No one's, there's no divas, there's no one pouting. They're all, it's like, hey, I'll be the guy this week. You be the guy next. Week. It's, it's awesome. And uh, they're rolling. They're rolling.
2: Yeah. And it almost, well, it feels like he's the coach of like a dream team right now where all these players are kind of itching to get on the field and contribute. And he doesn't have this sort of chemistry where it's guys that have done this before and, you almost have to pull teeth to get him to do something. I mean, these guys are buying into what Coach McVeigh is coaching. And that's really evident when you look at a guy like Robert Woods, we just mentioned a minute ago, how the guy blocks. This is a guy who just got extended to a big contract and he's sacrificing his body. He's making these great blocks to extend the run game or to get other guys like Tyler Higbee or Josh Reynolds or Cooper Cup or whoever it is to get open for plays. I mean, it's so just infectious to see. And I feel like the other players are looking at guys like Robert Woods, and they're playing better. I really feel like Tyler Higbee has become who he is currently because of the coaching of Sean McVay.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look at that third touchdown. That was all Sean McVay. Just dialed it up. He was wide, wide, wide open. And it look, I, as much as we enjoy Tyler higby he's not wide open because he's the fastest guy on the offense. He was wide open because Philadelphia had no idea what they were doing on that play. And that's all Sean McVay. He's got him crossed up. It's great to see. Was that the out? Was that the out? I think wasn't the third one, the one where he came across uh, underneath the offense and the play action and golf looked everybody off to the side. Maybe it wasn't the third one, but it was the long one. Um, it was just perfectly designed. And it was one of the, it's perfectly designed, perfectly executed. And it's so easy. I mean, that's the thing about Jared Goff is he's making easy, easy plays. And it's great because if, as long as you can continue to be able to do that. Yeah. You want to do that. Cause look at the results. It's, it's working really well.
0: I was going to say, speaking, we're, we're talking about Higby and, and scheme and Sean McVay. Um, the reason why I was asking is, is I saw, it might've been Baldy doing one of his breakdowns and he, I saw an angle with the all 22 look on one of Higby's touchdowns. It was like, one of the short ones, like around the three yard or whatever. And it was play action with Corbett pulling to the left. Everything with McVeigh looks the same, right? So they're, they're, they're selling on a a power run game. Everyone's going, the defense completely overcommits and they have Higby lined up as a blocker and and woods in tight. Higby does that step to the left, sells the, the block. Woody goes up the linebacker. Who's, who's, Supposed to cover Higby is watching Goff. He walks into the end zone yeah. wide open. It was completely schemed. And Baldy was, there's a, like a seven minute breakdown on this one play. And I was like, wow, he, he, schemed. it was a Sean McBay yeah. touchdown. Goff, Goff and Higby, get the, like the, the notches on the stat sheet. Sean McBay, they created that play and it was wide. He's open. killing it.
1: Um, same thing on the defensive side. I think what's interesting is we had the number one factor going into this game was the Eagles offensive line and how much they struggled against Washington. Wentz got eight sacks. Now credit to Doug Peterson. They were much smarter this game. They featured a much tighter passing game. Wentz wasn't dropping seven steps back and taking five seconds to throw. They were getting rid of the ball. They were getting uh, putting Wentz in better positions not to take the physical abuse, but we didn't have a ton of pass rush. We got to wait and see how this evolves week in, week week out, obviously it didn't manifest a ton in terms of scoring from the Eagles, but they were finding some success. And so did Dak Prescott and the Cowboys kind of working underneath and through the middle of the field. If there's going to be a point of attack, it's not going to be anywhere near Aaron Donald. It's not going to be anywhere near the back of the Rams defense because the secondary is playing too well. It's working through the middle and this combination of a lack of pass rush, albeit some of that was systemic this week, but some of it was just not getting home sometimes. And, and the lack of talent there between a Micah Kaiser and Kenny Young. What do we think about this linebacker? And they put up some nice numbers. Obviously Kaiser 16 tackles looks nice on the on the run on the box score, but they they're gonna have to step up against some other offenses to, to make a couple more plays and not have to get bailed out. You know, you get bailed out from Wentz trying to f- squeeze that ball in and Darius Williams making a great play. You get the fluky interception from Troy Hill some teams aren't going to make those mistakes. And so we're going to have to step up. What do we think about the front seven around Aaron Donald through two games?
2: When you look at next week's game with Buffalo, you have a guy that can run around the field and Josh Allen, and that will be an interesting challenge for the Rams defense because it feels like they have, they have talent. They have talent on the defense, the Rams do, but they they can be soft at times and they're not locked down by any means, except maybe the secondary but that yeah. middle of the field, I mean, if you have a strong tight end, that th- you can be exposed. And I was a little bit encouraged by the fact that the two tight ends for the Eagles didn't go off. You know, you didn't have right. uh, Zach and Dallas, you know, have themselves a day. They were, sure. they were fine. I mean, they played pretty well. They had
1: 15 targets, but they only had nine catches combined for 72 yards. So I think if you had offered that before the game, I think we would have taken it.
2: Yeah, and we and we gladly took it. And I and I felt like they weren't, you know, getting killed on any deep balls or anything like that. They weren't being exposed on any huge runs. But the run game, I felt like for Dow, um, for the Eagles was was you know they weren't they weren't killing us. But but I thought Boston Scott yeah. and and Miles Sanders they were effective so it'll be interesting moving forward on that seems to be the bugaboo that the run defense right. and are 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 we able to kind of hold up is, is that i mean it's it's always nice to just have a focus to have something that we can approve upon and is sure. it going to be shore up the run defense every week probably
1: what was interesting was if you go back and look at the defense, we used a lot of two linemen sets, not even a three, four, we had two linemen up front um, and we played a ton of nickel, but then we also had some dimes sprinkled in there. Cause it, you had uh, John Johnson, Jordan Fuller, Troy Hill, and Jalen Ramsey played every snap, but Darius Williams played almost every snap. So you had five defensive backs on nearly every single play and a bunch of plays where it was just uh, Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers up front. So, Really interesting look to be able to play that, but they also got a lot of rotation in on the edge with Leonard Floyd and uh, Samson Abukam and Morgan Fox, although I guess he could, you could list him as a defensive end, but he was playing kind of outside. I like
2: to list him more as a brand ambassador, but... <laughs> That's
1: just... I didn't see. Was he wearing the? Was he wearing his shirt this week? I didn't see if he was wearing the Morgan Fox logo shirt. I
2: mean, aren't we all wearing the Morgan Fox <laughs> shirt in one way or another? I need
1: to look into how we can get one. Sometimes but even Eye Okoronko got some work in. So they're, they're rotating a lot of the edge. They're not really rotating anywhere else. And I thought that was interesting to see. But that could be a very, very specific game plan because we didn't really see that those two defensive linemen looks uh, as much against Dallas because uh, in this game... Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day only got thirty uh, percent of the defensive snaps, so he wasn't in there a ton. What about my we big barely boy, saw Greg, Greg Gaines? Gaines.
0: Greg Gaines
1: yeah, he he played a handful of snaps. He was not in there that much.
2: But I think I think we need to sit down, have a cup of coffee, put on the fire, get comfortable, and talk about Taylor Rapp because what the H? What happened to that guy?
1: He's not playing a lot. He's not playing a lot. He's Jordan. Jordan I think happened. that's right. Jordan Fuller skipped him. They're still getting rap in there. He was there for 17 snaps, which is only 24% of the work. But yeah, I don't, it's one of those weird plot twists that I don't think we saw coming. And I think you're right, Joey. We might have to just come to grips with it that Jordan Fuller leapfrogged Taylor Rapp into a starting job. And that one that's not like game the week in, week out, right? It's not dependent on the opponent. It looks like Jordan Fuller is the starting safety and that rap's going to be a rotational guy.
2: There's one interesting wrinkle to that, which is it kind of sets a tone in the locker room that your job isn't safe just because you had a good season the previous year. That you could get outplayed by a six-round draft pick if you don't show improvement every day. Because written on the walls of the headquarters of the rams i mean they have all those inspirational quotes you know and uh, yep. it's like how do we get better each day all the john wooden sort of mumbo jumbo sure <laughs> and i think jordan fuller is like that example of yeah. he outplayed taylor Rapp, so he plays taylor Rapp. this heralded yep. second round draft pick is now on the bench
0: there's that there's that one quote on the side wall like where mcveigh does is like he's talking to his guys it's, it's kind of small but it says wally pip my ass <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Exactly. <laughs> Just you know, I'm, I'm totally yeah. there with you. It's it's like if, if I think it's a good thing if you play if you play better and you beat the guy out. It doesn't draft position or contract doesn't matter. We're gonna play the best guy, so that should elevate competition amongst. And themselves. I think it's
1: also one of these things where when you've got an inexperienced coaching staff. They're kind of having to prove it It, like a guy like Brandon Staley, right? He had some questions to answer and uh, account for the first two weeks. The fact that they went with Jordan Fuller after two weeks doesn't look like a wrong decision whatsoever. And so I think it's one of those things where it builds some confidence that, yeah, these are the first time, you know, first year coordinators, but they know what they're doing. And there's reason to buy in in a way that maybe four years ago under the previous coaching group that, that that buy in wasn't as sincere. And they're making the right decisions, and it's all working right now. Um, what do we think? Player of the game, Robbo. Who you got?
0: Uh, I would, you know, I would love to go Jordan Fuller. I would love to go Darius Williams for just his one big, you know, moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to the aforementioned Micah Kaiser. He's all over the place. 16 tackles. He reminded me. I almost said it during the game. I of a of a young. Do I say it? Because he's a first-ball Hall of Famer. London Fletcher. Kind of a, a, a stockier dude. Yeah. Number, wears the same number, fifty nine, same position. Kind of a tackling machine. Uh, and then I was impro- I was worried going into the season. I, I mean, we knew he was a good tackler at bandy uh, I didn't know what he could do in the passing game. And a guy like Miles Sanders was probably the first, if not second, pick of most fantasy drafts because he was highly touted that yeah. way. And he, why because he's dangerous in the passing game. He didn't really burn you in the passing game. I mean, look at the, his coverage in the flat yesterday. Um, a big third down stop. When you know, I was kind of hesitant. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Micah. I'm not ready to anoint Tim London sure. Jr. But he he did give me a few moments. It's been two games. Two games I'm pleasantly surprised about. But look at this. The two leading tacklers yesterday had zero NFL NFL experience coming into yep. the year. I love it, so I'm going to give it to Michael this week. It's yours, Michael. Congra- congratulations. Your foxy shirt's in the They've middle.
1: definitely stepped up. Joey, who's your POG player of the game? Pot- potig.
0: He's a young man,
2: starting quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, Jared, my boy, Gough.
1: He deserves some love, man. He's he's making it work, work. to see it.
2: And even today, you still get stuff from pro football focus. They're talking about how they think that they trust Josh Allen more than they trust Jared Goff. And every week is going to be some discussion about how Jared Goff isn't what he should be as a number one draft pick. And they trade all this stuff. And is he really that great? Is he system QB? Blah, blah, blah. Poop on some poop. The guy throws dimes. He's cool, calm, and collected. He has a switch in his back. And if you flip the switch, he goes into giraffe mode. And yeah, you can make fun of draft mode, but you know what draft mode does? It gets first downs, bitches. It works.
1: <laughs> that, that's the thing about Jared Goff is he is a system quarterback. But guess what? The system's really good, and he's really good at running it, and it's working. Really- <laughs> I don't. Th- does it- Jared Goff has his detractors among Rams fans? Are they really? Is anybody really saying anything about Jared Goff this year? In terms of a negative sense, because he's been so efficient, it's hard, it's hard to lay any criticism at his feet right now.
0: If you can you can criticize 13, for 13, you need, you need yeah. to do, you know job and and, that, right? and that's
1: a good microcosm of what he's doing, right? He's he's making good decisions. Yeah, it's all coming really easy, but he's he's part of the reason that he's making it easy. I think he deserves some credit for that for sure. I thought you were going to say something else. Um, yeah, I thought
2: it was too, but I, I I decided just to stare off blankly and just think about. How, how, how cool Jared Goff is. He's not cool. What am I talking about?
1: That was Jared Goff's 2019 season. Was staring off into space and thinking about how cool it was. <laughs> uh, my player of the game, I think Joey picked it for me, and I'll go with it. Troy Hill, yet again, the fan favorite. He's playing great football. I love to see it. I love his story. It's nothing surprising. If you, if you watched him the last couple seasons, he's been fantastic, and he's fantastic yet again. I'm loving it. I, I will. I will give some love to Hendo, but I think we're going to get bigger games out of him. So I want to save some uh, Potig Player of the Game status for him in the future because he's going to have bigger and better performances. But yeah, Troy Hill and the, the secondary. I mean, you could have picked Jalen Ramsey. You could have picked Darius Williams, Robo, as you said. The secondary is playing fantastic, man. They're really, really, really good. I'm eager to see once to all we all start you? turning some things. Do I
0: Give a nod to all a. W?
1: Yeah, the offensive line. You could you could have uh, picked a couple guys from the offensive line, but certainly uh, Andrew Whitworth. And you know you saw the success. If you saw what we tweeted out uh, from the account, uh, the chart from Next Gen Stats, they're having their most success running the ball going towards the left, going towards uh, what was Noteboom's spot. And I guess now will be David Edwards. We'll have to see in terms of Noteboom's injury how he. Bears out over the course of the week but certainly Andrew Whitworth at left tackle they're finding a ton of success there so shout out to Andrew Whitworth we talked about it in, a couple times in the offseason there was almost no chance that Whitworth was going to struggle as much as he did the first 6 games last year so it's good to you know have that manifesting and knowing that uh, you know the 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 what's the right word the fiasco of the offensive line last year hasn't come to pass but i think there's also one of these things let's remember what happened last year the rams started off 3 and 0 and then they face some adversity, right? And it took them a, a a while to try to work through some inconsistency issues, and came up short at the end because of the middle of the season. Got away from them. It's great two and zero start, but you got to keep piling this on. You don't have to start eight and zero like we did two years ago. But you got to make sure you don't hit a three-game skid like we did a season ago and have the offensive line just falling apart. So maybe the bigger challenge, especially when you've got these games coming up like New York, Washington, uh, Chicago, Miami, when you're playing some lesser opponents, is not to play down to that level. That might be the bigger thing than finding a way to play up. The only really game that we didn't really play up for last year – was maybe the first 49ers game, but certainly that game against the Ravens. Every other game when we were playing better Mm -hmm. competition, whether it was the second Niners game, the two Seahawks games, some of the other better competition that we had throughout the season, we were there to match it. So clearly through two games, we're we're capable of doing that and going on the road to Philly. uh, I'm interested to see how they respond. I hear you breathing over there, Robert. What's your what's your worry? What's your concern?
0: Oh, no, no. Just, well, they mentioned it on the, the telecast last uh, this weekend about the travel. I mean, this was one trip. They have to go back to – and again, I mean, they're going to go –
1: They're making a bunch. Philly,
0: yeah. To Buffalo, to was- to Washington, right? And uh, the Dolphins, Miami,
1: Yep, Miami is a road they, one. They
0: haven't – it was something like 19,000 miles in the first seven or eight weeks of the season. A lot of East Coast. This is the first one. This is the first one. And in the past, they've kind of – when they had two weeks, they, they usually stayed up there and just stayed uh, they can't do that because of COVID, so they have to fly. And we saw Rich we saw Rich Hammond talking about it, you know, pointing out that, hey, they're flying the day, the day before the game or that they're going on yeah. a Friday. Uh, we'll see how this stacks up down the road. That's my biggest concern, I think.
2: I don't know if you, if Washington football team is a shit football team yet. They're a shit organization, but I don't know how shitty they are as a team yet. We'll kind of – we'll find out. I mean, we're, we're going there week five. so
1: Poop on top of poop, Joey. Poop it's your thing. Poop
2: on top of poop. Poop on some poop. But I feel – That's
1: definitely going in there. <laughs> that's definitely getting clipped.
2: <laughs> no, I, I feel good because, you know, with all the poop that's going on top of the poop, you have the Rams, which I don't think are poop. I think that they are ice cream, and they're this delicious, wonderful ice cream with all these toppings on it. And you have the sprinkles and the caramel and the chocolate and the whipped cream, and you got the cherry. You got all these pieces. You got all these fun things that you can enjoy. But what do you think? Just just go with my with my stupid, inane, stoned out <laughs> uh, metaphor for just one more second. Is there's been times in the organization where we are just Chocolate ice cream, poop on some poop. Or we are just one couple of flavors, you know, we can do a couple things right. But right now we're doing so many things right that it's so fun that, you know, some games the caramel is going to get us through. Other times, you know, there's going to be different combinations that are going to make it delicious. And it's just fun because you could just sit back and we're like, what are you eating ice cream, boys? Enjoy your poop because we're chowing down on some ice cream.
1: As long as we don't have to pull out the rum raisin by week eight.
2: (laughs) Poop on some poop.